The world is like a ride at an amusement park, and when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. I can tell you from experience, the effect you have on others is the most valuable currency there is. Don't think, feel. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger, or you will miss all that heavenly glory. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. It's that time again. Welcome back to the Liberation Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Gregoratis, speaking to you guys from Los Angeles, California. And uh, before we get started with the show, I just want to let you guys know that over the next few weeks, there are going to be several episodes released that were originally recorded towards the beginning of 2021. What happened was I was uh, I had all these guests booked and I recorded the shows, but I never got around to releasing this batch of recordings because there were other pressures in my, in my life at the time and other business things that I had going on. And unfortunately I just had to put those episodes on the back burner. So they will trickle out over the next few weeks to months. I'm not sure exactly what sequence I'll put them in, but uh, you should keep that in mind when listening that the content isn't recent, but I like to think it's evergreen and the topics we discuss are just as relevant right now as they were at the beginning of the year. Before we get into the conversation today, I want to let you guys know that I'm expanding my coaching from one-to-one into group coaching. I've got a a new group coaching platform that's going to be starting in the next week or two. I'm calling it the Total Alignment Mastermind. And it is exactly what it sounds like. It's a, a mastermind of guys that I'm going to get together. I'm going to be leading it. And we're going to be doing a lot of powerful work in there that's going to bring you into alignment. I love that word alignment. It's very important to me. And it's how I choose to live my life. You guys know I've written my book and I titled it Aligned because I really feel that if you're not in alignment, it's very hard to achieve anything of uh, value or worth in this world. So it's going to be a group of us that are going to meet for calls a couple of times a month, video calls, and I'm going to be sharing my insights onto specific topics related to health, wealth, and relationships. And uh, we're going to hold each other accountable and um, just grow together. If this sounds like something that could help you, send me an email, nicnick at liberationmentor.com, and we'll figure out if it's for you. Let's jump into the episode. It is with my friend Stuart Cooper, and we dive into the topic of Iboga or Ibogaine. It's a fascinating subject, and I think you guys are going to love it. Enjoy it. Hey, brothers, welcome back to the Liberation Mentor Podcast. I've got a wonderful guest for you today. It's my friend, Stuart Cooper. I haven't spoken to Stuart in the podcast format since he was a guest when the show was still called the Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood Podcast. So it's been a long time. He dropped some real wisdom about his ayahuasca experience on that episode of the show. And now he's back with some even more exciting details on uh, adventures that he's just had. Stuart, thanks so much for coming on the show, brother. Good to hear your voice. Yeah, no problem. My pleasure. Today, we're going to talk about Iboga. You recently had an experience with Iboga. I'm just going to give the audience a little bit of a background. So I speak often about plant medicine. It's one of my favorite uh, tools for expanding consciousness and healing traumas. In the plant medicine circles, they give each of the plants generally a masculine or a feminine denomination. So ayahuasca is considered the grandmother because it's one of the most powerful of all the, the plant medicines, and it's a feminine consciousness 
And on the other end of the spectrum is Iboga, which is considered the grandfather because it's similarly one of the most powerful of all the masculine plant medicines. Uh, is that about right, Stuart? Yes, yeah, from what I understand, yeah, you're right on there. Okay, so maybe let's start with what prompted you to want to do Iboga. Yeah, so when we last spoke, that was probably about two years ago, and we went into detail of the, the ayahuasca experience that I had. And the reason I did that is because I was just coming off, I got unfortunately got addicted to opiates and benzos mm-hmm. uh, for quite a number of years, and it had quite a negative impact on my life. Um, when that happened, actually, we discussed that I went through a year of uh, brutal withdrawals. But whenever you go through opiate withdrawals uh, and benzos, depending on how long you've been on them, uh, once you get through the acute withdrawals, there's something followed by uh, something called pause post-acute withdrawal syndrome. And that can last, it can last anything between a year to a couple of years. And it's your brain rebalancing and tr- uh, trying to get the right, you know, rebalance the dopamine and the serotonin levels. So even though I got off all those pills years ago, I was still suffering with the post-acute withdrawal syndrome and the symptoms are like depression and chronic fatigue. So I actually didn't know that's what it was at the time. And that's why I went to do ayahuasca. So two ayahuasca ceremonies and San Pedro and a few Cambo ceremonies completely just rebalanced my brain chemistry and took away all of those chronic fatigue and depression symptoms and all the cravings that I had for the pills. And it actually got my life uh, back on track. Uh, And I felt great for quite a number of years, but I never really got to the root cause of addiction, why I got addicted to them in the Mm -hmm. first place. So um, I started studying Dr. DeGaber Marte, and he uh, is an expert in addiction, and he believes all addiction comes from trauma. And I just didn't understand it because I didn't think I had any childhood trauma. I didn't think, you know, it's amazing what you bury in your subconscious. So about a year ago, um, I had my, actually just over a year ago, I had knee surgery and that triggered something in me. Uh, When I was younger, I was diagnosed with OCD and obviously, which is obsessive compulsive disorder. So obviously one of the symptoms is obsession. So it can be good. It can be bad. Like, so I obsess over good things. But I can also, uh, over positive things, but I can also obsess over negative things. And so when something good is going on in my life, it's great because I'll obsess over that positive thing and I'll do it to the best of my ability. But say something negative happens, like uh, like the knee surgery, I, was, I started to constantly obsess over when am I going to be able to return to training? You know, Will my knee ever be the same again? And then COVID happened. I started to obsess you know, over just, you know, paying bills, rent, uh, you know, is things going to work out here in Vancouver? Because I just relocated to the other side of the world. And as these negative thought patterns started to overtake, I was unaware that this was happening. And I noticed the old me uh, was coming back in. I was started to, whenever you're obsessing about something negative in the past, the future, you're not in the moment, you know, so you're not truly living. You're actually, you know, you start to suffer. So the, this is why this is where the eye begin comes in. I noticed these negative thought patterns coming back into my life, and I had noticed I wasn't truly enjoying the things around me. You know, I wasn't enjoy, able to enjoy like the things happening around me. So I noticed that I, even though I, I swore to myself I would never take pills ever again, I never have. But I started to reach for things like natural remedies, like carver and uh, kratom and different nootropics, just to kind of like 
calm myself down and like try and you know take away those negative thought patterns but all you're doing whenever you're taking it you know something like that all you're doing is you're putting a band-aid over the symptoms you're not getting to the root cause so I was able to realize what was happening I started to see that I was going down that pathway again so I thought I'm not working right now and you know we're locked down there's no better time to do a bit of self-healing because I've got months off here and like I said I never really got to the root cause of my addiction so um that's where I you know, I had this strong calling to do Ibogaine. Um, you know, but in the past, I had the calling to do the ayahuasca, but this time I really felt a strong need to do Ibogaine because I just didn't want to go down that pathway again. I've been down that road. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> I went through quite a lot of pain uh, years ago. Sure. I remember you were, you were not in a good way. You had lost loads of weight and you were oh just a shadow of, of yourself. I was, I'm lucky to be here. I look back and <laughs> I'm lucky to be here, really. I mean, uh, me and you were supposed to work in a few projects um, after we did the Spur of Jiu-Jitsu, but you had no idea, but I was in quite a bad way for a few years, you know. But fortunately, I was able to get over that. Um, and now I'm 35, getting older. I'm able to, you know, yeah, really start looking into, you know, like what happened to me when I was younger. And that's, the Ibogaine is amazing for that. Um, I wasn't able to do um, a flood dose, so... Th- there's a different method that I did. Um, the flood dose is, I'm not sure how many grams of flood dose is, but uh, that's, you, I'm not sure if you heard Aubrey Marcus in the Joe Rogan podcast. That's what he did in Costa Rica. And he had this very profound, very visual experience uh, that lasted, I think it, Iboga flood dose can last anything bet- between 24 to 36 hours, maybe even longer. And it completely immobilizes you. So I was looking into doing that. I was very afraid of doing it. Um, because iboga is dangerous, you know, this is what uh, people need to understand. So you have to go through a screening, you have to do an EKG, a liver panel test. And because my resting heart rate is 45, um, I got screened out pretty quick. I was not able to do a flood dose. But what they were able to do with me was a small amount every day for two weeks. So I went to a center here in um, Vancouver, and I did 300 milligrams of ibogaine every day for two weeks and even just 300 milligrams which is not much it completely wipes you out and in terms of um in terms of psychedelics it's not the most visual at all you know if you compare it to ayahuasca or mushrooms it's but it's very introspective so it takes about two hours to kick in and then once you feel it kicking in you feel very relaxed you feel warmth come over you and then I would go upstairs and just lie in my bed and then it's um it puts you it's more like thoughts you know um but for me most of the changes and things that have come to the surface have happened after the last few weeks uh, since I've left I've been going on long walks and um you know just listening to music and some things have really come to the surface I was really able to pinpoint identify crystal clear moments that happened to me when I was younger that completely explain why I ended up going and getting on pills in the first place, you know? So, wow. This is so fascinating yeah. to me. It's so, know, there's it's, so many things. It's, I incredible. Want it's absolutely <laughs> incredible how crystal clear it became. Cause the two weeks I was there, I was even more confused than ever. I was thinking, why, why is nothing? Why am I still not able to see where this trauma comes from? But it's, it's a process, you know, a lot of it can come to you afterwards so we did that for two weeks. And then after the two weeks, we did um, the 5-MEO DMT. Because it's quite a, it can be quite a dark two weeks, actually. Iboga is uh, quite a dark medicine. 
And the, the 5-MeO just kind of like brings light back into you. I'm not sure if you've tried 5-MeO before. No, I haven't. I haven't. I've actually taken a, an extended break from psychedelics. Okay, yeah. But 5-MeO is on the list for when I do start dipping my toes back in the water. But even higher on that list is Iboga. Iboga terrifies me, man. It's it's one of those things, you know, yeah. in life when you you know there's something that you have to do, but you're just too afraid to do it. And um, that's that's where what Iboga is for me. I've had some friends who've done the full flood dose and they said it was incredibly beneficial, but also profoundly difficult. So yeah. um, I, I would like to know, Stuart, are you able to share what it showed you about your, your childhood? I mean, is that, is that always, is this something private? Uh, no, no, at all. I mean, like most of us do have trauma. You don't even realize it. Um, I was never, you know, I come from a good family, you know, a good upbringing, which is why I was confused. Why would I get addicted to pills? But trauma can be a lot of things. So for me, it was, you know, my primary school was great. It was the high school that I went to, you know, when I looking back now as an adult, I look back at, some of the teachers, you know, that were actually teaching me. I don't know how, honestly, I don't know how these people even got a license to teach. I went to quite a rough high school and um, it was quite a, uh, come from Preston and Preston is not the nicest place in the world at all. And, you know, at school, like I used to get in fights a lot of the time, you know, kids make fun of you. Teachers can really uh, have quite, you know, can say nasty things to you. And when you're a child and you're developing, these things can really get stuck in your head even things that, you know, family members can say to you. So from what I understand, like OCD, people are, have like a predisposition to it. it, kind of runs in the family, but it can get triggered later on, like in the developing mind, you know, when you're a young child or a teenager. And my OCD got triggered during that high school. I think it was when I was around 14. And some, yeah, some things happened in that high school. There was a, one incident which I, I don't really want to talk about, but that was the one that buried deep into my subconscious. And then manifested, and, and Iboga yeah. showed you that that event, the trauma from that event was causing a manifestation of OCD or, not, or negative obsessive thoughts. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we all have these negative and positive thoughts in our head, but a lot of these negative thoughts, they're not actually our thoughts. They're actually the voices of, you know, the people that said negative things to us growing up, you know? So sure. yeah. we carry that on to our adult life. So now the iBoga has made me very mindful of, you know, my OCD and these negative thoughts that can pop in there. So I've never been more so in the moment since I've uh, done the Ibogaine as well. And these negative thoughts still pop in there, but I'm able to catch them now and realize that not me. It's actually like it's something that happened a long time. So I'm able to swap that negative voice with a positive one. That's so interesting. It's so, so interesting to me. So it didn't, it didn't take them away. It just allowed you to become aware of them. And to I'm, be mindful. I'm uh, yeah, to, yeah. Yeah. I, I read somewhere that the key to solving any personal problem or, or personality problem is shining the light of conscious awareness on that particular problem. And it's, most of the time we don't even know that we have an issue and that's why the issue is allowed to run us. But as soon as you can make a separation between yourself and those traumatic thoughts or those negative thoughts and start to just observe them, that's when you can, can kind of almost dissolve them. Would you say that's accurate? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned that these are things that happen in high school because I always thought that I was always under the impression until quite recently that 
the traumatic thoughts or, or traumatic events were only really they're only really stuck if they happen to you in early childhood, right? And if they happen to you like later in life, that that wasn't as uh, detrimental. But I remember I dated a girl who had this incredibly traumatic event happen to her in high school. And looking back on it, I realized that she never really recovered from that. And that trauma ran all her romantic relationships, including the one I had with her. And so yeah, I'm starting to change my my beliefs on that. And I'm starting to think about my own traumas from high school because goddamn, there were there were quite a few. So I mean, will you will you do iboga again? Uh, you know, I would love to do a flood dose, um, but um, I'd have to like my heart rate's so low. It's probably because I do so much exercise. Um, if my heart rate was around sixty, uh, I would probably be able to do the flood dose. I wouldn't be in a rush to do the whole two week thing, like um, you know, three hundred milligrams a day every day for two weeks, because it's that was a long, <laughs> that was a long two weeks. Yeah, I'm sure and, it uh, was. It builds up in your system. So it makes you, at the time you're doing it, like I said, you feel relaxed. You're, you're just lying down and you're just thinking, you know, about life. But afterwards, once it wears off, you feel extremely lethargic and heavy. It's like what we would go out for walks uh, twice a day, every day, but it's like walking around with a 200 kilogram backpack. You just feel. Wow. It's it's not fun at all, like walking around, but it's good to get out, you know, and get that fresh air, and uh, it just helps with the experience. And yeah, because uh, it builds up. You're doing it every day for two weeks. It builds up. each day that passes. You just get heavier and heavier and heavier. Wow. Yeah, and it took me honestly. It took me a couple of weeks to recover from that. The five meo definitely helps. And just yesterday, actually no, two days ago, Sunday. I went to do a cambo ceremony and that kind of helps like just um, bring your energy back and uh, re-spark the endorphin system. And I've got two more to do because the cambo is the frog medicine, frog poison uh, from the Amazon. And you're supposed to do it free. You're supposed to have free ceremonies within a month for like the full benefits. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a lot of work and a lot of commitment yeah, um, there's a lot of work going on right now. It's not over, um, but yeah, there's no better time to do it than you know, run right now. You know, yeah, I mean, we'll never have a good time to do it like this again. So, yeah, and I think one of the things that I I try to make clear to people when I tell them about plant medicine is that yes, it is work and it is difficult, and you might puke and you might fucking crap yourself, and it might it might cause a bunch of difficulties, but ultimately it makes you a happier, more balanced, calmer person. And to me, it's just like ripping off a Band-Aid, right? Like, or no, that's probably not a good analogy. It's it's like you do the work and then you see the results. And I'd rather take care of these things in one or two nights or maybe even two weeks of difficult experiences and then live the rest of my life in a happier, calmer state than just have these these subconscious programs run me for the rest of my life. I mean, to me, that just makes sense. It's a, it's a, It's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these plant medicines, they're just amazing tools for self-healing, dealing with the trauma, you know, childhood trauma. And I like the fact that the stigma of psychedelics is slowly being removed. It's taken some time. I mean, when I went to do the Ibogaine, there's a few people here in Vancouver, some friends of mine. I try to explain what it is I'm doing, but I can see it's just in one ear out the other. They don't just quite get it. They don't quite understand. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I had a, I had a friend, um, just recently, he was going to do an ayahuasca experience, uh, an ayahuasca weekend, and he was telling me how his father was just unable. He told his father what he's going to do, and his father was just unable to accept it, literally unable to, to accept the fact that this thing might be 
positive and healthy for his son because I guess people from some people from that generation or from those older generations, it's just so foreign to them. It's such a difficult concept for them to it grasp. Different generation, yeah, yeah. And I guess the reason for that is because of the war on drugs, right? Everything. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. My, it's very uh, sad. my parents have uh, my parents have come around great actually. Uh, when I first went to do ayahuasca, I didn't tell them what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just told them I was going away for a weekend in London. <laughs> Okay. And same with the Ibogaine. I couldn't, because they just worry too much. They don't know, they don't understand what it is, but I always tell them, unfortunately I have to tell a lie, you know, a little white lie. Mm-hmm. But then when I come back, I tell them the truth and then the positive impact that it's actually had. And they're always, you know, they worry, but um, yeah, if it's made a difference in my life, they're happy. So yeah, they're becoming much more open-minded, but trying to explain to my grandparents, they're a completely <laughs> different generation. There's yeah. no way I can even attempt. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally understand that. Yeah. So, uh, Stuart, I really appreciate you sharing that. I mean, I'm, I'd just like to ask another couple of questions on Abo sure. before I change the, the tack. And so you would take the 300 milligrams and you'd say you'd go lie in, in your bed but and then just concentrate. And you said it wasn't visual, but it was more just random thoughts would come to you like was that yeah, voices very, or very introspective it's so hard yeah as you know it's very hard to put these things into words to explain these things there's no nausea you're not sick at all or, or, or i was and it's different it's really different for everybody some people it can be extremely visual it really can but from what i understand uh i boger is not as visual as everyone's and for some people it is but for most people it's actually not you know, uh, according to the people I was doing it with, they, they were explaining it to me. You have to get up extremely slowly. If you get up too fast, the whole room starts to spin a hundred mile an hour. And if you sit down too fast, I'm like, again, it's, you've got to move extremely slow. You said it showed you certain thoughts or certain uh, traumas that you'd experienced when you were younger. Did it give you any messages, like any actual um you know, actionable advice or, or, or give you any tips on what to do with your life moving forwards? Or was it just showing you certain things that had been holding you back? Yeah, it just it helped me understand. It just helped me understand myself a lot more um, and why I took the, you know, why I reached for the diazepam and the opiates in the first place. Because, um, you know, I think it was in my mid-20s, everything was going so well. I was on top of the world, traveling the world, making these films. But a few negative uh, you know, uh, events happened and that triggered me. And I had no idea how much the OCD affected me my whole entire life. So it made me understand why I took the diazepam because it calmed me down. It made me feel grounded. And so did the opiates. And at the time, they actually did help me. For There was about one or two years there. Even though these are dangerous drugs, they did actually help me get through what I was going through. Unfortunately, these things, they backfire. Because you have to take more and more and more to get the same effect. So they started to have a very detrimental effect on my health. So, yeah, I was able to truly understand, you know, why I was taking these things, you know, and get to the root Someone said to me recently that uh, for most of us, when we take drugs or drink alcohol or abuse prescription medications, we think it's because we're trying to get high, but the drug isn't actually making us high. It's just resetting us back to it or not resetting us, but allowing us to experience what it would feel like to be normal for, for a while. Exactly. It made me feel, honestly, it made me feel normal for the first time in my life. I remember taking a diazepam for the first time uh, when I was 25 and all of a sudden I felt, just felt normal, you know? Um, 
I had no anxiety, no social anxiety. Um, just life started to go so much better, which is why I got hooked. And I was like, how can this thing be bad for you? Like my life is so much better now. Mm-hmm. But then, like I said, these things really do start to backfire um, after a while. But now sure. I'm older, I've got more experience and, you know, the psychedelics have helped. You know, I've just got no no need for these things anymore. There's no place in my life for them, you know. I'm so, so happy to hear that. Yeah, I'm truly at a, a great point in my life. And there's still work to do. It's a long process. I remember years ago after I did the ayahuasca, I thought, oh, I'm cured now. I, I've got it all figured out. I know exactly <laughs> what's going on. But I look back and I'm like, nope, nope. <laughs> I'll probably look back a few years from now and then, yeah, you know, just, there's, there's always work to do. Always, there uh, always is. There always yeah. is. But at least you're one of the people who knows that, you know, so many people go through their lives thinking they know everything and then they can't understand why yeah. um, why they don't get where they want to go. So, Stuart, what's, what's next for you, my man? What's, actually, let me ask a better question. This is a question I've been asking of myself. I have an answer, but I keep refining it and I've been asking it of my clients and my friends as well, which is what's your purpose at the moment moving forwards in life? Right now, um, I'm, I'm waiting, um, waiting for the gym to open back up. You know, I've, I'm back training jujitsu, uh, which is something I love to do. I'm going to get back on my uh, YouTube channel. And I do like making the jujitsu videos, but I'm going to start making more, uh, you know, kind of inspirational, motivational videos. Uh, there are things that could really help inspire people. I'm going to start taking my YouTube channel in a different direction. Honestly, I love what I do. I'm fortunate that I've got to a point in my life where my hobbies are actually how I make a living. That's great. So, yeah, just uh, continue to train and make videos during this lockdown. And um, hopefully we open up in a few months. But, but, yeah, I've got a good thing going here in Vancouver. I've got my own Stuart Cooper jiu-jitsu team. Like the the classes have grown. I thought obviously COVID uh, had a big impact, but I've got a really good group of students there. And I'm looking forward to, um, yeah, the students are my friends. They're not even, it's not students, they're my friends. You know, they've become really, a lot of them become really good close friends. So that's wonderful. I'll come visit you out there soon. Oh yeah, no, we'd love to have you for a seminar. That would be, uh, that would be awesome. So yeah, no, life life, life is good. You know, it really is. Happy to hear it. I'm happy to hear you've, you've, you took the risks to find answers and the reward is that you've been blessed with increased yeah. ha- happiness, health and success. And uh, just more power to you, my man. You've always been one of my favorite yeah, people you. and I've always admired the way you, you move through the world. And um, if those listening want to find out more about you or your jiu-jitsu team, where's the best place for them to go? Um, you, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram, Stuart Cooper Films. You can go to my YouTube channel and also my Facebook page as well. Okay, great. So I've had a bit of a break from social media, but um, which I think is important in this day <laughs> yeah. and age. But I'll be, yeah, I'll I'll be uh, back posting videos uh, soon. But um, yeah, I would like to say if people are suffering with um, addiction out there and they're unable to do a flood dose because there's no better medicine than iboga or ibogaine for addiction, and it can help people alcoholics. It can help people on uh, with opiate addictions even cocaine, it help, what it does, it helps reset all the receptors. So right now, my, the receptors in my brain are squeaky clean. I had a green tea the other day, and it was like the strongest green tea I've ever had. <laughs> you know, I, I, before I did dive again, I was abusing caffeine, and I was taking like four cups of coffee, maybe more, a day. Now I don't even drink caffeine, and I feel better than ever. So if people are unable to do a, a flood dose, they can do a small amount there with ibogaine you do have to do it for a professional because it can be very dangerous uh like i said if you have a low heart rate like me if i was to do a flood dose it would literally kill me 
Uh, I think it, it drops your heart rate so low that you would end up having a seizure and die. But if someone is heavily addicted to some kind of substance, you can do a small amount every day with a professional and it slowly like takes away, cleans out the receptors and uh, you can get, you can, that's the problem with uh, addiction is people, you know, end up going to rehab. I know that rehab lies like 95% relapse rate, you know, yes. yeah. it doesn't really get to the root cause. People go in there, they get off the drugs, but then they come back out into the world and then they just relapse right away. But with Ibogaine, it cleans out all the receptors. So you don't have any withdrawals whatsoever. But then, more than anything, it gets to the root cause. It gets know, to the root, yeah. And that's the most important part. I know, I've, I've heard that when a, when a heroin addict is serious about quitting heroin, they do a boga. Like, it's known amongst junkies that, like, if you really want to get off this, if you really want to change, a boga is the way. And uh, I, fortunately, am not addicted to anything at the moment. But, um, although that's, that's probably not true. I think we all have... I think we all have smaller addictions that manifest so, yeah. in our lives. Yeah. That we don't, we don't, we sometimes very often aren't aware of. I remember earlier in the year, I was taking magic mushrooms a few times, like on the weekends. And someone pointed out to me that I was using them to cope because I'd been going through a pretty difficult patch myself. And I couldn't believe that something like magic mushrooms would, could actually act as a kind of like a crutch, but I realized that they, they were so, And that, that kind of thing creeps up in me all the time, you know, little, little things that might be like, oh, you, I don't know, have a chocolate bar a few times a week or whatever it might be like. Yeah. Sometimes that's cool. Sometimes it's cool to just ex enjoy something and, and experience the pleasure. But for a lot of us, it's covering stuff up. Right. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, even I wanna... exercise, you know, I noticed that was something yeah. I was doing. Um, yes. I was, I was exercising way too much and I was, all I was doing there was just distracting myself, you know? So now, since I began, instead of going to the gym and hammering out weights, I'm going for nice long walks, you know, listening to music. And I find that's much more rewarding um, to yourself than going that's in so a interesting. and distracting yourself, you know? That's so interesting that you say that because, I mean, I always prescribe exercise to anyone who's having a hard time. You know, if, if, I'm, if someone comes to me for advice, I'm like, are you exercising? But it can come to a point where you are using it as a distraction. You're using it yes. to, to not face yourself. Um, and the walking thing, I, I mentioned in my book, that's, there's a Latin expression, solvitur ambulando, which means that it is solved by walking. A lot of the great men throughout history just take long walks or, or used to take long walks whenever there was anything troubling them or anything on their mind that they wanted to, to deal with and process. And I've noticed myself like there's very little better than taking a, a long, gentle walk for bringing me into the moment and helping me deal with, you know, my troubles. Yeah, and it's important to do it in uh, nature as well, you know. Absolutely. Find a good location. You don't want to go walking through a city. <laughs> loads of <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I love about Vancouver, you know. There's a, it's a nice big city, but you've got nature all around you. For sure. I'm going to visit you there very soon. Stuart, man, thanks again yeah. for, for taking the time and, and dropping your wisdom. And um, I look forward to seeing you in person again soon. Yeah, no, thank you, Nick. I appreciate it. I just recently came back from teaching a martial arts retreat, a jiu-jitsu retreat up at the amazing grapplers retreat in Mendocino, California. And I was teaching it with Stuart. I hadn't seen Stuart for many years, probably about five years. I think the last time we ran into each other was at a, a jiu-jitsu competition in Vegas, I think four or five years ago. And, you know, we were all 
we all had a great time, the, the instructors and the staff, as well as the attendees. It was just a wonderful time. And there was a point towards one of the last nights where we were all standing on this deck. We'd all had a wonderful meal and we were just having fun, enjoying each other's company. And I remember I looked over at Stuart and I just felt compelled to tell him in front of everyone just what a fucking cool dude he was. And it's true. He's just a lovely man. He's he's unassuming and he's open and he's friendly and he's kind and he's just an exceptional example of a good human being and someone that it's just cool to be around. And if he is any indication of how Iboga or Ibogaen can help, uh, I got to say, I'm interested. It's something that I've had on my mind for a long time. I've been considering doing it for many years, but I've I haven't yet worked up the courage to do it. You guys know I always speak about my work with ayahuasca and ayahuasca is considered in the world of plant medicine as kind of like the grandfather because it's supposed to have a, a sort of feminine essence. Sorry, the grandmother because it has a feminine essence whereby iboga is considered the the grandfather um, because it has a masculine essence and apparently it is a very stern medicine and uh, I think that's what uh, that's where my reluctance comes in because ayahuasca itself has been pretty stern on several occasions with me and um, you know I remember growing up <laughs> when I was in trouble you know I'd run to my mom and I'd be like you know like look for her protection for my dad when I pissed my dad off and she was never quite as stern or severe so I'm just thinking to myself I wonder how intense this iboga is going to be when I eventually work up the courage to do it. Anyway, if any of you have tried iboga, I'd love for you to reach out and let me know. Send a message to nick at liberationmentor.com. That's N-I-C at liberationmentor.com. Also, the mastermind group is starting soon. You'll start seeing some ads for it on my social media in the next few days. Uh, But I am going to limit the places on that. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in doing, Hit me up again with an email to nick at liberationmentor.com. Peace out. <laughs>